tell your friends how you feel with Better Buddies. Hello, and welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ, and with me tonight, we have James. Hello. And John. Hello. There we go. Uh, thank you for... And cut. Thank you for joining us, boys. <laughs> we have a, a contentious uh, icebreaker for, the, for this episode. Um, I, I need to request that everyone stay civil. We are all friends here. And... I understand these are turbulent times, and this might be a hot button issue. So well, I'm ready to throw down. Let, yeah, let's let's all yeah. let's all be nice to each other. But the better buddies icebreaker for this evening is when making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, is it better to cut it into triangles or rectangles? Is it better to cut uh, your A, B, and J into triangles or rectangles? Watch your words carefully there, James. Yeah, I know. This is the kind of dispute that gets, like, religious conflicts started. Um, let me think. Uh, I, I'm just going to say rectangles. Um, although, I say rectangles because that's how I ate them for most of my childhood. But there were times when I would go out with, like, other families on, like, a camping trip or, like, on a boat. And their moms would cut them into triangles. And I liked those, too. But I will say rectangles. That's that's the hill. How shall ye be judged? Let's see. Oh, that that's up to the listeners. I don't I don't care how you <laughs> speak your sentence. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, fair enough. I mean, yeah. We're friends. I respect your choices. I respect your choices too. Look at that. You haven't hurt mine yet. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, James. Let John right, speak his yours? mind. Sorry, so I told yeah. RJ um, when he was telling me what the icebreaker was going to be today, um, breaking the fourth wall there. We uh, we pre-planned those. Um, <laughs> no. um, no. I told him I was going to get canceled for my uh, sandwich choice. So you ready? Yeah. Um, I don't consider it a worthwhile investment of time to cut the crust off. Um. However, that is slightly oh, hypocr hypocritical of me because I put the bread in the toaster first, and then I make the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Oh, so interesting. I, I ate a peanut butter and jelly toasty. There is another. There's a third option. Um, has come to show us uh, the light. It's far did, more than three. <laughs> did, did your did your mom like? Is that something that your mom did, or did you just start doing that when you would make your own PB and J? Uh, good point. I think my mom did teach it to me, but she weaned me off of the crust thing real quick because <laughs> I think she probably got sick of cutting them. Uh, now I'm I'm curious about your thought process here. Where did cutting the crusts off enter into the conversation? Oh. Wait, how do you cut it into a rectangle Diagonally. if you don't cut the crust up? You, no, That's you a cut triangle. It, you cut it down the middle. Oh. I guess it's not really a rectangle rectangle. Oh, I was very confused by this prompt. No, okay. My apologies. I, I apologize. 
Jesus. I figured Christ. if you're already cutting it down the middle, you go the extra mile and cut the crust off. No, because then you just have less sandwich. You might have a more aesthetically exactly. pleasing sandwich, but there's less sandwich. Okay. I buy Uncrustables. This podcast <laughs> is brought to you by Uncrustables. <laughs> Perfect product place, but John, I'm glad we talked about that earlier. Now with 50% job. less crust. Your check is in the mail. Well, <laughs> yes. When okay, RJ, let's uh, let's hear yours. Uh, clearly, yeah. clearly, uh, triangles. Oh my! By cutting God. it diagonally into triangles, I find I have both enough room for a good handhold, but you also get those fun little edges where it's just this weird, like ever-changing mixture of the levels of peanut butter and jelly. It keeps it exciting and sprightful. I can I can support that. No. Can I no, I can it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's taking <laughs> everything in my power not to yeah. uh, condemn you, James. So uh, oh. that that is my effort to Wait. be a better buddy is I'm not trashing you for your life choices. Thank you, RJ. Despite the fact I'm holding that, back to uh, okay. your methods of sandwich consumption may be um some would say downright heathen. I was going to call evening. you even, you <laughs> bastard. Um, <laughs> you clarifying question. Yes. Um, so continuing on my theme of ain't nobody got time to cut the sandwich. Mm-hmm. Do you spread the jelly on yours or do you just kind of glob it on and call it? Absolutely spread. You got to get that even layer. Uh, see, I just apply a thick layer of jelly so it's thick no matter what. But uh, yeah, I would say spread overall. Okay, okay, that makes sense. The way I figure it is, Mm. I so rarely ever make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches nowadays that if I'm going to make one, I might as well take the time to do it right. That's fair. My grandma used to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches literally with butter. Oh. She would do peanut butter, butter, she'd butter the bread first, and then do peanut butter, and then jelly. I was like... That apparently, from the way she talked, it sounded like a lot of people did it back in like the 50s Hmm. before people knew what like congestive heart failure was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, kids have a spoonful a lot. It's good for your system. Seriously. Doctors say cigarettes and lard are the best way to cure every disease. (laughs) Now, going going off of John's uh, peanut butter toasty, grilled peanut butter Mm. and jelly sandwiches, how do we feel about those? How you grill the bread? Well, it's like a grilled cheese, but instead of putting cheese in between, it's peanut butter and jelly. So you make the you make a regular PBJ and J, and then you just um, interrogate it (laughs) against a hot fire. Yeah. (laughs) Where where are they? Where are my? Where's the rebel base? Different levels of grilling will will elicit different levels of taste. You grill it for answers, and you grill it for flavor. Yes, <laughs> just like the CIA. Um, I I see. I don't know. I feel like that'd be a, a delicate operation because I would not be opposed to it. But I do feel like one of the nice things about like grilled cheese is that if the cheese starts to melt, it's okay if it like sizzles on the pan and stuff like that. Like I don't know how I'd feel about like seeing peanut butter or jelly like drip down my sandwich and start to like. Sizzle on the pan. Um, it just probably smells like burnt sugar, but I don't really as know. As someone who has done it many a time, you generally don't have that problem. Really? For the most part. I mean, you're not using enough jelly, then. Yeah, I guess. 
<laughs> you ain't a man unless you're using half the jar. Um, one fair one enough drawback I see with that is it's both like hot inside and hot on the outside. Yes. If you just toast the bread and then um, I'm exposing mm. myself as a jelly refrigerator here. Yes, I if do you, it too. Uh, if you uh, just toast the bread and then apply the jelly on, you got a hot outside but a nice cool center. That's fair. To, that uh, that, crunch that down balance into. is nice. But I do feel like I, I would want to know what like peanut butter and like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich just grilled would taste like. Like I wonder what that because I've never had like peanut butter and jelly that hot before. It's very good. It's very very good. Gas, out on the gas grill, four hundred degrees. Yeah, just flipping it over. Flipping it over. People are talking about world wars and Corona. I just want to grill. <laughs> no, uh, uh, but so we we've, yeah. we've revealed uh, jelly in fridge is the way to go for us. Um, I guess the the final follow up on this is peanut butter type, creamy or crunchy? Uh, creamy, and I put it in the fridge. Ooh, Ooh. you're you play a dangerous game. I do. It's very difficult to spread, but it means, I don't know, it's very satisfying. I don't know. And plus, I prefer cold peanut butter as a snack over room temperature peanut butter because it's more like ice cream. Mm. Oh, that's, fair. that's a good but, idea. Yeah. I go creamy as it's well. It's like harder. Yeah. See? <laughs> I was going to say, I don't want to chew my sandwich. And then I thought, <laughs> wait a minute. Well, I was just thinking. I want to stick it in the juicer. <laughs> yeah. So here's the step. You toast the bread, you put the stuff on it, you put it through the blender, you pour it into a cup, you have yourself a nice little peanut butter and jelly shake. Somewhere. Ooh, actually somewhere though. Gordon Ramsay just had a heart attack. No, 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 no. You're on to something. <laughs> yes. You make you make it, you put it in the blender with a little bit of vanilla ice cream and milk, and you make a peanut butter and jelly milkshake. Oh, that's I mean, a good idea. Maybe skip the bread. Uh waffle come. Yeah, maybe. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ooh. that's a really good idea. You should try that. Hot cooking tips you know with Better love... Buddies. There you go. Welcome to Cooking with Better Buddies. You um, know what I would love to do if we're talking about cooking? I would love to become a great master chef and cook, like, the best meal that Gordon Ramsay has ever seen and then just scoop it all into a blender and just <laughs> blend it up in front of him and see what he does. It's like, if you have commitment to the craft, Gordon, this is still a good meal, no matter where it comes in. He quit. He quit on the spot. You ruined the texture. <laughs> like, ah! Food is delicious. Plating is poor. <laughs> I just dump it on a plate in front of him and just see what he'd do and stick a straw in it be like, there you go, Gordo. Have fun. Who is the master chef now? Who is the master? Say it. Uh, what if he loved it? What would you do ooh. then? You know what you would do if he hated it, but what would you do if he yeah, loved it? He's got it? a reputation to uphold, though. Like, it, yeah, if he loved it, I'd be like, thank you. I'm honored. Thank you for complimenting me. I mean, either way, if you if whoever chooses to become a master chef and then blend that meal in front of Gordon Ramsay becomes a god. Because either way, you win. Either way, you win. It's either a master chef says this is amazing or you cripple him for life. So I guess whatever you see is a victory. Is Gordon Ramsay Maybe, one of the uh, god-tier chefs? Uh, I don't know. I don't know because I don't know enough about cooking. I only obviously know him from just the popularity of his name. So I can't say, but I would say in terms of at least like, I mean, it's kind of like Jesus, I guess. Like everybody's heard of well, him. I'm just thinking, like everybody. I'm just thinking like Gordon Ramsay, Guy Fieri, 
There's got to be at least got, one got more. There's uh, you got to complete the trifecta. Yeah, Anthony Bourdain. Anthony yeah. Bourdain. Yeah. There we go. Is Gaffieri a chef? Yeah, he's got his own restaurants. Um, yeah. I thought he just went around and ate food for. No, he's an actual well, chef. He got, his, he got his start as like I, I want to say like just kind of an all American like chef. And then because of that, he just was able to parlay that into kind of like, I know, like I know American food. Cause that's the interesting thing is, has Guy Fieri ever done like a show abroad? Um, because is it ever been like Guy Fieri in Paris? He's never <laughs> done fully abroad, but he has done some segments on diners, dive-ins and drives where he's gone to uh, like, I think he went to a place in Cuba once. Oh, okay. So he, he right. sticks to I mean, the Americas. America. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess that's fair. Like, I I love, uh, love diners because I feel like they're, like, a very – it's kind of like Old West or the Wild West where, like, it's a very American thing. There, are, I'm sure there have been things like diners in the past, but at least the, like, popular conception of them now is, like, an American diner. It's, like, a very, like, American thing. I kind of like that. It's like very homey. Yeah. Plus, Everybody's I love diner food. Yeah, it's it's so great. It's like where everyone comes together and just eats. All the old people and truckers. <laughs> These are my people. <laughs> yeah, those are demographics we're real uh, big with. Remember when you guys visited me and we ate at a diner and there were like two other people and there? They were an old yeah, couple. that was awesome. Saturday night. Toast <laughs> was cute. And the food was pretty good, food too. Was great. Oh, my God. I still remember yeah. those hash brown patties. I forgot. I think I had, like, a Reuben melt. I ordered, like, maybe a patty melt. It was so good. Oh, my God. Sandwich. I love those things. Oh, that's right. You did. Didn't Calvin get Ugh. that, too? And it was it was beautiful. I gotta try that. I can't remember what it was, but I think it was, like... It was chicken. It was chicken and was bacon and chicken. cheese. Wow. Yeah, it was, like, um... Yeah. It was that. <laughs> and the hash brown patties were a, uh, it was potatoes with Mexican corn turned into a patty. Mm, that sounds really good. so good. John, what'd you get there? Do you remember? I think I got breakfast. Their breakfast is good too. We're going to talk about food for the whole hour. <laughs> Dude. So I don't know why, but this made me think of it. Um, Anthony Bourdain, I don't know if you guys think this, but I think he looks a little like Jeffrey Epstein. And now using that segue to segue to another thing, I watched the Jeffrey Epstein documentary <laughs> that's on uh, Netflix. Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, do you want me to? Do you want uh, me to put a, put a title card in front of this segue real quick? Oh, this, this isn't my better buddies recommend. I've got an even better piece okay. of media to recommend. But if you if you want me to start off with the one I'm going to recommend, well, no, no, no. Let, let's do this, really and then we'll recommend. do recommendations. All right. If I could give the Jeffrey Epstein documentary, because uh, it's only it's only four episodes, if I could give it like four stars. I'd give it like two and a half, eking onto three. It was interesting, but I felt like it focused. It focused like way too much on the girls, and oh. I feel really bad for those women. Obviously, I do not want to minimize like what they went through. Although it sounds like some of them like knew that they were kind of in a pedophile scheme and did it anyway. Um, but still, uh, I wanted to know more about like his island and his weird like Harvard science projects. But they didn't talk about that really. Like, there's maybe. 25 minutes dedicated to the island and then that's like it 
And uh, mm. I don't know. I thought it was interesting if you wanted to know, like, from someone who was, it's literally like basically a documentary about people who were in a big Ponzi scheme. Oh. Except instead of money, it was like sex. Um, okay. But it's it it's kind of insane though too because you hear the stories from some of these girls and they're literally like yeah like he said he was gonna like i wanted to be a doctor or something and some of them are like really intelligent smart girls from like new york and stuff like that and they're like uh like he was gonna send me on a trip abroad to thailand to like learn and buff up my resume but he said i had to come and stay at one of his houses first and i did and i thought there were gonna be a bunch of people there when i got there but it was just me and Jeffrey Epstein and his wife. And then the stories just go downhill from there. And then they find out there were cameras in the bathroom. Yikes. And like everything like that. And it's just like, Jesus Christ. Like, how does someone like that? It, it's like insane how many people knew relatively what was going on. But they were just like, nah, it's Jeff. <laughs> That's what he does. What the hell? He, he he traffics young women and has a pedophile, and that's just Jeff. Like, it's bizarre. No, um, amazing what money can do for you, isn't it? Like, isn't it amazing how morality and the law just completely disappear ab- above a certain income level? Like, you're not subject to either. Um, well, I think that, he I think that is actually yeah. a mentality that people at that point do have. Where uh, I remember reading some story where someone was like, "Yeah, I was hanging out with this relatively wealthy dude," and he's like. Oh no! It's not a fine if I park in this spot. I'm not allowed to. That's just the fee I pay for parking here. <laughs> in New York or wherever. So if one of his like one of the girls that he assaulted like went to report it to like a hospital, like he'd know. Um, like it was insane. And the crazy thing is that he like he didn't have any education. Like, he went to, obviously, he graduated from high school, but, like, he went to college for, like, two years, and then he faked the rest of his, he faked his degrees, and he got hired at, like, this, as a, like, a financial manager, like, a financier for this, like, multi-billion dollar company, or, like, some some management firm, and it was only after, like, six months or something, like, some ridiculous amount of time that's, like, not super long, but it's, like, you should have figured this out before now. Apparently the story is that like one of the assistants literally went up to like head of the firm who was like up until then was like, yeah, Jeff's a great guy. He's really smart. He's really helped me with my money. And uh, the assistant was like, yeah, uh, his college degrees are fake. This guy didn't go to any of the schools he said he did. And in fact, some of the schools don't even exist that he listed. He just made them up. (laughs) The manager was like, what? <laughs> oh my God! Quick, promote him. Well, he's still a pretty great guy, but he was. The other thing was, is it was hard because Jeff was apparently like dating the manager's daughter, <laughs> so he was like, he was like, what? Like, he was in. He was in. Deep. He was in too deep. They couldn't Quite get rid literally. of him. Yeah, it, it's like, and I don't, you know, like you never know, like how much of this stuff is like being over underreported, but it's just fascinating to me that like. That's probably the most infuriating thing about the documentary is just to see, like, you know, that there are people in systems like law and government and finance and things like that who just kind of like let him get away with a shit ton of stuff, um, like awful stuff on a mass scale. But then obviously, like when the law is applied to someone who isn't Jeffrey Epstein, 
who does like a fraction of a bad thing, they're like thrown in jail for like 30 years, no questions asked. And it's like, that's, that's, that's not a very like sterling mark on the institution, but eh. all right. Well, let's, uh, since that's not your recommendation, let's move over to Buddy's Recommend, where we recommend a piece of media to actually enjoy. Yes. Uh, what do you recommend, James? Uh, Belle Delphine's announcement video that she's back. I'm going to say that Who? because Belle Delphine, do you remember that girl who sold bathwater? Oh, yeah. Oh. She's back. She had, like, a video that came out. She made, like, a whole – I don't know why, but she disappeared off social media for almost, like – a year, year I and a half. Was because Maybe of the bathwater She had to scale up bathwater production. I think that was it. I think she's just been taking baths for the past two years straight. Um, now she'll never run out. Um, that stuff doesn't but, go bad. No. Never, no. If anything, it just gets finer with age, like wine. Yeah. Um, no. I'm, I, 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 this isn't something I completely enjoy. I have to admit that I'm recommending this like a little bit ironically, but it is fascinating because you know that like, you know, she has to know, like obviously what people think of her, like she has to have some degree of self-awareness into like what she's doing. And the fact like her video is very like confident to the point where it borders on cringy in certain areas, but it is like fascinating. Cause if you just see it as like a business decision, it's like, wow, you literally primed the well for like a year and a half. And now you're like here to collect. Cause her, her Instagram, like, which was created like yesterday already has like 230,000, like a shit ton of people signed on to her only fans go fucking figure. Yeah. But like, it's, in, it's insane. It, and so as a business decision, I'd recommend it. If you want some good cringe, watch Belle Delphine's uh, video. But if you just also want to see, watch it too. Okay. That's my recommendation. Uh, John, what do you recommend? I don't know. I think I need a second. All right. I will go then and give my recommendation. Uh, this week I'm going to recommend, because I caught up on backlogged episodes, the uh, podcast Checks and Balance. It is The Economist's podcast uh they're a british publication but it's their podcast covering the election cycle for this year and i have to give them a lot of credit as their approach has been very the phrase like balanced or fair-handed feels a little weighted but they do make it a point of they analyze everybody and they compare it to historical facts so it's not them they, they do a pretty good job of not pushing anybody or not bashing anybody. They just look at it, everything that happens and say, yes, that was a good move. No, that was a bad move. Based on history, this is where this is likely to go. Whoa. That's actually awesome. So they're basically framing like contemporary political events in like a larger historical uh, narrative. Like, do they ref they reference like how far back do they go? Uh, as far uh, American politics. Okay. Um, okay. But like, they the last couple episodes they've referenced a lot to um, Nixon and the his uh, election year uh, when mm-hmm. they talked about polling and uh, predictions. They pointed out that like <laughs> hey even we were wrong because we did a poor job of analyzing beyond just polling people and like looking for other indicators. Oh. Oh, yeah. 
Are they talking about when they were polling, like, you mean polling in general, or when or they were polling when, like, for the When, like, when all of the political game? polls said that Clinton was going to win, and she yeah. didn't, and everybody sat there going, wait, what? They, they mm. talked about how that happened, and how uh, they have a new algorithm that they, like, they've made their own polling algorithm. They hired this guy who's actually, like, oh, back when, during the Trump election cycle, this dude built his own algorithm in college to track it and he was also wrong but he was not quite as off as everybody else was and mm. he actually had like backdated his own the new algorithm they're using they like went back and looked at using the same factors and found that it did place trump at a higher prediction level and like based on this year of their what they're tracking at the beginning of the year trump had a pretty strong lead but now it's a little bit more of a toss-up due to the virus and the way things are going since then. It's very entertaining. That's actually I've, I like The Economist uh, quite a bit. Um, obviously, there's always like a number of asterisks that come yeah. from like you know, reading any publication. But I think um, I like that they're they're reporting, and I think it's it mirrors what you're talking about is usually pretty in depth. Uh, not just in a political field, but in a larger, like, this is kind of what we think is going on. Like, it, here's a more holistic view instead of, like, that's a problem with certain news outlets is they get bogged down in that kind of, like, A to B dialogue yeah. that isn't very helpful because you get a different story depending on who's telling it. Whereas The Economist, I feel like, is more of a third-party kind of observer. So what what is the podcast it's called, called again? Checks and Balance. Checks and balance. Um, and it's it's been, it's weekly for the year, and uh, like early on, especially when the like the race was more spread out, they covered everybody, and would they were they were pretty blatant about like, yeah, this is a bad move on Trump's behalf because he's doing this and this and don't do that, but also like, hey when it comes to getting people to come out to vote, yeah, Bernie's really good at getting people out to vote, but he also doesn't have... He's ignoring demographics in favor of trying to get more people out to vote in general, which, if they don't show up to vote for him, isn't going to do him any good. And Biden is detracting from that. And that was all earlier when everybody was still trying to figure out how it was going to shake out. But very informative and very enjoyable. Have you had enough time, John? <laughs> yes. Um, uh, I'm going to continue the theme of podcasts, actually. Okay. Um, how do I, I feel like I've talked about this on the show before, but I don't remember. Uh, I'm going to recommend the Moth Radio Broadcast. Oh. You can find it on yeah. Spotify or pretty much anywhere <laughs> podcasts are found. Um, but it's um, they host these, like, story slams. Um, I think that's just one of their events. But... People just come in and tell stories about their lives. And some of them are really interesting. Some of them kind of miss the mark sometimes, but they're still nice. Um, I One of my favorites I've heard recently. Yeah. Or go no, ahead. I was just going to say, I, I've actually heard of this. My The English club advisor in college helped run the uh, Moth Knights in Madison. That's so good. I wanted to go to one of those when uh, we can be in large crowds again. But uh, one of my favorites in recent um, listenings is one guy, uh, while well, he was in college, 
he went on OK Cupid, and he was like a data analysis major, masters guy. Oh boy! Um, he reverse engineered OK Cupid's match algorithm, and he like gamed it so he would get pretty much a hundred percent match with so many people. And he he was going on like two dates a day. Oh my god! Uh, so many people like matched with him in his profile, and just the way he told it was very, very entertaining. That's. That's my recommendation. Sounds like a heck of a story. I will share How the link. the episodes? Um, they're generally like an hour. And oh, they that's have three good time. Or four stories. Okay. Um, there are some shorter ones. So like Moth Radio Hours are an hour. And then every once in a while they have like 20 minute ones. And they turn them out about once a week. Nice. But they're all recordings from like previous events. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah. Spotify, um, they have their own website. I listen on Spotify. Cool deal. So yeah. Some excellent recommendations for a wide variety of topics and interests. If you oh, like yeah. listening to things. Yeah, lots of things to listen <laughs> to this week. Uh, so, next segment, How to Be a Better Buddy, where we give comedic slash real advice on how to be a better individual. Uh, and like when you ask your friends for advice, it's not our fault if it's bad advice. And our first one is one that James, I think, will have a unique pers- we, unique perspective on. John might, I don't know for sure. Uh, but the first question mm-hmm. is, why do so many boys shave their legs these days? From Yahoo Answers. Uh, you have a perspective on this too, aren't you? I do. Uh, further details <laughs> are, I hate to sound cliche, but they didn't when I was young. And if you did, well, you just didn't. I don't think there's anything especially wrong with it if they want to do it, but it just strikes me as odd. Please help an old guy understand this. Okay. So, James, you and I both did high school swimming, and I think it would be fair to say that when you do shave, it just kind of feels nice. It does feel nice. Getting under covers after you've shaved your legs feels really nice. Um, Obviously, you feel like Faster in the water. Uh, it sucks when the hair starts growing sweat back. Sweatpants, though. But a nice pair of sweatpants immediately after you shave your legs. It's very so comfortable. Comfy. That does sound amazing. But I, I would almost think that this is probably coming from like a trend that's been happening in the, over the past like forty years, where like first it was. First, back in the 70s, it was like pubes, which is when everyone started shaving their pubes. And I think it's just kind of like spread outward to that. Like, I I do agree. I think like a lot more guys are shaving their legs right now. Um, Must be I, clean. I know a few people who do it. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to be pure. We don't need all this hair. Um, but I don't know. I, I like having leg and arm hair. Um, as a dude, I think... For me, at least, I find it aesthetically pleasing, and it's practical. It keeps you warm. Um, I can definitely understand, though, if people like want to shave their legs. I think if you're like a younger, like looking guy, it helps preserve a bit of like boyish, like youth or appeal or whatever. Um, but I, I'm personally not a big fan of it for the same, like, I don't wax my chest or anything like that. So, I mean, the only hair that I do, like, regularly remove is the one that uh, grows on my nose bridge. So that's, that's like, it. John, what do you think? Um, do you have any, uh, any put? 
Well, I mean, we're all striving to be the most aerodynamic we can be, right? That's how we learn to fly, true. right? This <laughs> yeah. is true. Um, actually, I've never shaved my legs in my life before. So I guess I'm not in a position to offer wisdom on why people do it. I just didn't know if you had for running or something. I didn't know if they did that. Nah. You don't gotta be sleek. You'd think you'd want to be more sleek, though. I bet it would chafe more. I bet yeah, it would pro- like for real. It would probably, especially because at least in swimming, when you're swimming, like after you shave your legs, you're literally like, you're you're sweating, but you're also essentially at a pool. Yeah, but you also, like, if you're running, you probably wouldn't have to shave quite as far up the leg, comparatively. Have you seen those shorts? I I have seen them. I mean, they're no speedos, but. (laughs) You'd still be like, you'd still have a little bit more cushion than, like, speedos do. I don't know. I I think really the the thing it boils down to is, uh, just don't worry about it. You don't know what they're into. People like what they like. I Far can be. see it like, feel smooth. Yeah, I mean, I, I could, I, again, I don't know. I feel like that be too much work. Um, and, but for me, that's just me speaking personally, so I probably won't do it, but I, I won't grudge anyone who wants to. I also don't have, like, unreasonably thick leg hair, so it doesn't bother me at all. It's not yeah. too warm. Yeah, mine's, like, there, but it's not, like, like, I know some guys where they just look, like, fucking hairy. It's like, oh, my God. Um, but, yeah. But some I, people enjoy I it. I agree with that. Uh, don't worry about it, because during the winter, they're wearing pants, and you can't see it. So, there you go. Yeah. Our next, yeah. our next question I included only because I found the entire interaction f- uh, humorous. So I have pulled up the actual website page with both the question and some of the answers. Uh, now, this is off Yahoo Answers in the Family and Relationships area, specifically the family section of Family and Relationships. And the question is, Pearl L., why do you give such short, boring answers? Someone is calling out Pearl L for answering questions, but being so short and boring about doing so. And my favorite response to this question, it's not polite, but I think it's pretty good, pretty clever, is because she's a short, boring person. Oh, oh my god. Ouch. Yeah, well, it's not nice to I, Pearl L, that... but I think it was a pretty clever response. I don't know. Uh, the, next, I, uh, I would... the next two answers are... Okay. It's her problem, her personality, not mine. I don't care about it, but you cared enough to post. First two comments that I, I read off are fairly cruel. Uh, the next one is in her defense. Look, can you just leave Pearl L alone and stop being a troll? Would you give the top video gamers a hard time or the top sports players a hard time? In some ways, Pearl L is respected and somewhat famous on here because <clears throat> of her contributions. And evidently, the fact you've posted this shows you're jealous of her as you'll never be as good as her on here, you little keyboard warrior. That's kind of funny. As best Yahoo Answers is a bitter wasteland. Yeah. Yahoo Answers has like a whole inner world. I don't know about it. I didn't know they had famous people on Yahoo Answers. Saying that, I actually feel like I've heard of Pearl L, no. and I don't go on answers regularly. Pearl L actually replied to the question, and this is what Pearl L said in response to the question, assuming it is the same Pearl L. Because they're not boring, and it would help if you changed your attitude and say something good if you're going to post about me. So Pearl L, is uh, like he, she's on and is ready to defend herself, so I have to give her credit. 
but I just thought the entire drama surrounding this question was a fascinating aspect to this website. Yeah, well, I mean, in Parallel's defense, we're all trying to be as aerodynamic as possible. Short, boring answers is the way to go. They do fly the best. I believe NASA had a study on that, actually. Well, that's why NASA is NASA instead of National Air and Space Association. Exactly. It's all about aerodynamics. (laughs) See, they... If he rode all that on a rocket ship, it just wouldn't fly. Be too heavy. Yeah, yeah too many words. Space counts. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they weigh everything when they uh, that they put on the shuttle. They had to weigh how much paint they had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They would have had to burn like another ton of fuel for all that extra paint. Our next question that actually needs some advice is, uh, why do nice guys finish last? And I think I think we're we're all. Would we say we're all at least kind of nice? Mm-mm. Oh, I'd say I'd I'd say I fit both the uh, in my life. Uh, I fit both the positive and negative stereotypes associated with that term. I I, I would, can I would, agree with that for myself. I I won't comment on your existence, yeah. but I will say I can definitely see that I have embodied the positive and negative associations. But I think that having embodied those positive and negative associations, we may be better able to provide a reasonable answer instead of a distasteful one. Yes. So I would agree. Why do nice guys finish last? I think a really simple answer for that is because they're being nice enough to hold the door for everyone else. I think so. Is that like a metaphor or like literally? Uh, Both. Probably both. I was going to go with more literally, but it could be both. (laughs) Okay. I think, I think the thing is, um, with nice guys, it's like obviously kind of like doing anything where you shouldn't do it. If you're truly nice, you don't do it for the reward. You do it just for the sake of doing it because you enjoy doing it. So like just for the same reason you shouldn't play, you shouldn't want to learn guitar so you can like become super famous and wealthy. You should want to learn guitar because you enjoy playing music and things like that. It's kind of like that with being somebody who's nice guy or girl where it's like, you should want to be nice. And I think that's where the the lines blur a little bit. And that's where you get that kind of like negative connotation is like if if you're doing something purely for the expectation, um, not because you really enjoy it, like people are going to see through that and they're going to end up almost resenting you more than if you didn't do anything kind of at all. But I think I think um, a good comparison I, would yeah. be literally the Cars movie. And the last race, because you've got Lightning McQueen, former, like, quote-unquote nice guy, who's now become an actual nice person, and Chick Hicks, mm-hmm. the, who is still the quote-unquote nice person, who's like, oh, I'm a nice guy, what'd you... Mm-hmm. And in the race, Chick Hicks wins, but nobody likes him, but Lightning McQueen quite literally finishes last because he stops and pushes the other competitor over the finish line after he crashed. Yeah, he, uh, well, he, it's, and that's the big lesson in the movie, and quite frankly, life lesson, is that it's, like, like, he respects the... It's not about winning or losing, it's about running a good race. Yeah, he respects the race and the idea behind it more than the reward of it. Uh, Which, because, like, I remember there's then that scene, like, after the race where Chick gets the trophy and stuff like that, and he comes out. Uh, in front of the press, yeah, and everyone's like really quiet, and they just basically throw it at him, and they like 
blast him with confetti and yeah, like and, a reward that's yeah. earned like that way is isn't isn't worth like what the person usually thinks it is, and and it's not as satisfying. John, what do you, what do you think about uh, nice guys and their relative rankings? Rankings. Well, uh, you're thinking about rankings. You're playing the wrong game. I, I meant it more so as a in rel- in a way to uh, finishing last. I don't know. I had a sentence. I destroyed the sentence as I started saying it. So, uh, what do you think on this topic? Yeah, I I kind of got to go with James, where it's not like real nice most of the time. It's nice with the uh, the little footnote mm-hmm. that you have expectations. Yeah, and when you're yeah. when they're not met, you're not very nice anymore. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, because I I think I think it can also be applied because obviously usually it's implied and up applied to a guy who is nice to a girl, usually with the end expectation being sex or like some kind of relationship. Um, but you could apply that to even like anyone who's nice. I mean, like politicians are nice. <laughs> But people don't like that, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like, I mean, like, you, there are plenty of people who are nice, who play nice just to get what they want, like, and who aren't actually kind people. Because that's the other thing, too, is like, if your whole person is summed up in that one thing where it's like, well, I'm a nice person, then it's like, so it's like, well, there's probably more to you than that. I mean, that's kind of lame to just base your whole person off of like one single behavior. Yeah, I mean, I um, guess he's kind of nice. They're nice enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. You got to be an interesting person, too. You got to be, like, a a whole person. I think everyone's, like, interesting. It's just, it's, like, what you choose to emphasize. And maybe if if you consider that all nice guys finish last, you should reconsider what it means to finish last. Mm Mm-hmm. Just change your expectations. That's a really, yeah. Is that, like, the... You'll find it in the last place you look for, um, mm-hmm. kind of thing, um, where it's it proves itself true because you stop looking, uh, you finish last because you end up with the person. Yeah, and you're the last. <laughs> May- yeah, maybe. I think I think so. I think that's a really good way to put it. I think the race analogy helps too, where it's like, like if you really were nice, like would you even really care about finishing last? If you're a nice person, you're probably a bunch of other things, which means that, like, hopefully you're not putting too much stock into, like, winning. Because why would a nice person care about winning in the first place? Uh, Wouldn't they just want to have, like, a good time? And continuing with that that analogy, uh, a lot of visualization usually happens that helps you determine where you place. So if you're viewing nice guys Mm -hmm. as finishing last, you'll either... if place yourself last because you think you're a nice guy and so you deserve to be last or you will choose not to come last but then you stop being a nice guy because you think nice guys finish last so yeah it becomes that's a self-fulfilling a, that's, prophecy no, that's a good point oh, yeah and everybody loves me. it is the oroboros <laughs> eating its tail it's 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 really where you put the goalposts it's like that i know it's kind of cliched but it's got some merit at least in and of itself, the that Einstein quote where it's like you can't judge a fish based on its ability to climb a tree. Yeah, it's like maybe you're maybe you're just setting the goalposts. Like you can probably achieve what you want to achieve, but maybe you're just kind of like like you said, kind of John, like you're looking in the wrong place. Like you'll find it when you kind of stop looking. 
Yeah. Uh, and it, it's paradoxical, but I do think it is true. So there you go. Uh, if you really mm-hmm. think nice guys finish last, uh, reconsider why it is they're coming in quote-unquote last. Maybe they're doing the right thing. Hey, hey. Hey, I yeah. mean, like, you don't want to be a doormat either. True. No, no, that's the other thing, too, is, like, like you have to have some kind of, like, a center. Like, you can't just let yourself get pushed around. Um, and there's a difference between being agreeable and being, like, bendable. Yes, man. You, yeah, exactly. You have like, to be perfectly like, balanced, as all things should be. Uh, I don't know about <laughs> yes. perfect. Yes. High expectations, I am, but... I am inevitable. <laughs> I am. Inevitable. You couldn't... What is it? You couldn't live with your failure. And so you Where turned to that me. bring you... Back to me. <laughs> Back to me. <laughs> I love him. Uh, our last question for, the, for this uh, session. Is it weird not to drink when you're in a bar? Hmm. Um, so I actually have some thoughts on this. Yes. One. Yeah. Um... I kind of have a problem like being in an establishment at all and not buying anything. Yes. So like, <laughs> yeah, I would definitely order a soda if I were going to a bar and not planning to drink. Okay. So, to me, yes. I mean, like, it's not the greatest of all, all sins or anything, but to, for personally, for me to make myself comfortable, I would at least order something. I agree with that. I think walking into, I don't think you have to do it, but I do think like you can't call it not odd because it'd be like walking into a restaurant with a group of friends and not eating anything, like not ordering any food, (laughs) Um, which is like, yeah, like I, I know it's different. I know that drinking is more of a recreational activity. And obviously when you're going out to eat, that's more like involved and no one's you're getting slightly intoxicated, but that's not the aim of like a restaurant necessarily. But I would say like, it's odd because you're, you are just kind of like hanging out in the building guests and not really like doing the thing that I don't know that, that, that it's there for to do. Yeah. I would counter argument with when you go to a restaurant, you're there to eat and socialize and it's kind of, you, you don't go to a restaurant thinking, well, I'm not going to get anything because I have an ulterior, like I have a different thing to focus on. But if you're at a bar with a group of friends and you're, say, the designated driver, you may not be Mm. thinking, okay, I'm going to go there and have a soda. You might be more focused on, okay, I'm there to kind of help take care of these other people. So I think in that situation, it's a little bit more acceptable to not drink anything, but it is still nice if you buy a soda. At the same same time, you kind of want to feel included, though, while you're there. And like this, but yeah. it helps bridge that gap. True. I do feel. I do feel like it's. I can see why. Because like no one sober wants to hang out for very long at a bunch of bars. Like <laughs> yeah. nobody wants to do that. Like no matter how good your friends are. Like if everybody's drinking and you're not, and like obviously, I I could at least speak for myself. Like most nights, if I was hanging out at bars with people, like if I had not been drinking, I would not have stayed out. As long as I did. Yeah. Like, it just wouldn't have happened. Um, and it's definitely the longer the so, time goes on, the more tedious it gets to be the one not drinking. Yeah. And, and like, it's just an environment where it's like you just don't – it's it's kind of like – it's not like you should do it because, like, oh, everyone else is doing it. But it's more just like this is what it's here for. Like, this is the place that people come 
to do this, to socialize. And like, I mean, it's, it's, I love bars because I think they're like awesome, like meeting grounds of different people. And obviously you get dicks and people like that. But like, for the most part, it's really cool because everybody comes there and you know why everyone's there and you can like bump into people and talk or, or just sit with friends or, you know, do whatever. Like, it's just a great uh, space to just kind of like feel social um and you don't even have to necessarily be social in that environment to feel that way i don't think but i i would agree rj with if someone is a designated driver obviously then like no problem drinking if you don't like it then that's fine i i won't say that it's weird for you not to not do it if you have like reason but you know like then you have to understand that if you're not drinking that like most other people probably are i've got it so if you feel left out yeah, I've got, I've got the solution. So, mm. a lot of bars will have like pool or some other some something little extra that's not drinking. Go partake of that. It usually costs like a buck or two to get the billiard balls, so you're giving a little something to the establishment, and you got something to do to occupy yourself without having to like sit at the bar staring at everybody else doing nothing. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, it's, yeah, it's not like one or the other. Yeah, it's just something else nice you could do. Yeah, like that's that's a good point. I do feel like I mean, like bars are usually the ones that I've been to are usually like dingy, and it's fun drinking in like a dingy place. You feel like a pirate or whatever, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but but no, like like. There are, I, I know that if I walked into certain bars like sober that I'd love when I'm drunk, I'd be like, God, this place is a <laughs> shithole. This is gross. <laughs> like, boy, you're drunk. You're like, ah, ah home. <laughs> like, um, uh, but no, I, I'd agree. There's like, there's definitely at the very least other things you can do. At the very least, like most bars, at least in the States, have jukeboxes. You can cue something up. Like, you can at least listen to some music. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, to pass the time, uh, like, if you want to spend the money. But, yeah, uh, I, I don't think it's weird, per se. Like, I've done plenty of weird, weirder things in bars when I have been drinking. So it's like, I'm not good. <laughs> you're like, the weirdest thing that you're doing that night is staying still and being quiet. Like, you're on the light end of the spectrum for, like, shit that happens in bars. Like, you gotta throw fine. them out. Yeah, you get, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> get out. What do you mean you don't want to be loud and obnoxious <laughs> at 11.30 at night? Get out of here! Uh, we don't serve your kind here. You're too calm and collected. Yeah. Yeah! Alright, so long story short. I will, I will say. Oh, go for it. I will say, uh, bringing the restaurant analogy into it from before, mm-hmm. I, I think it's extremely hilarious, the prospect of like, oh no, I'm not eating tonight. I have to drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know me. You know what cards this to um, me. Sorry. Oh, oh, thank you. If, if you could just bring me a water. Um, I find consumption of any any food at all when I drive impairs my ability greatly. Um, so, I, I, you know what? We're gonna be here for two hours. Just bring me a small appetizer platter of cheese curds, and hopefully it'll be through my system by the time we leave. Yeah, it should be good by then. It should be good. <laughs> yeah. I'll... I get sober pretty quick. Don't worry. I can eat a whole lobster and be sober in 30 minutes. I'll just have, I'll just have the war. Like, wow, this guy's serious. Holy shit. This guy's hardcore. Actually, that would actually fun fact, you know, that is a problem for certain people. There's a very specific 
uh, I believe, genetic disorder where your body converts starches into alcohol. Well, I guess that it must be that that makes sense because it's literally just bacteria yeah. that ferments alcohol. So I guess like it, but that's kind of insane. Like you'd think that that like some well, there was a guy who would like kept getting pulled over for driving while drunk, but he hadn't been drinking. Turns out he like he went and had a pasta dinner, and the pasta had turned into alcohol. Just his body, or was it like his body and a combination of things that he ate? That like, it, it was. Uh, specifically it was like uh i think car like eat carbs or starches or something just one of those like he could eat everything else but like hey i just had a big pasta big enough pasta plate and my body converted it the wrong way that would like that's one of those things where it's like it sounds like it'd be kind of fun for a while but if you think about the long-term effects of it would just kind of like suck like well, if you don't also, like the, if you don't moderate your diet you're constantly drunk it's pretty cool though. That's Not like Jack Sparrow tonight. Oh, this weekend's <laughs> yeah. gonna get crazy. Uh, <laughs> gonna get me a pizza. Mom likes Mom likes pasta a lot. Why does she eat so much? Go to bed, honey. Mom's having her Alfredo. Another bowl of spaghetti. I never loved you or your father. <laughs> With the mac and cheese on the table, no. and no one gets hurt. Honey, honey. We have to get you some help. Oh, I just want the ravioli. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus oh, right. Uh, that I wonder how many people that affects. That's like that. See, I'm not gonna lie. Like it's it's little things like that that convince me there's got to be some kind of god out there because that is just too funny for someone not to have. Like, well, the truth is strange. For, for it to be so. random chance. It's true. It's just it's just one of those. There's gotta be some like, comedic genius up there. He's he whoever they are, they got a great sense of humor. I mean, most people just don't think so because they're usually part of the joke. But once you you know step out of it, it's pretty funny. Oh boy. Um, we live in a society. We oh yeah, we live in a no. I'm not. We live in a world like, where a man can consume an entire plate of Olive Garden and be drunk. I mean, that literally sounds like a Rick and Morty bit. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> that's like, that's like television level writing. That's the thing is that they're, whoever's writing this shit is not like a great writer, but. But they get just they enough got some of gems things. sometimes. They really they do. They throw enough yeah. spaghetti at yeah. the wall that something sticks. Something does stick eventually. Uh, so, long story short, it's a little weird, but you're not enough to wor- worry about it. Just get a plate of spaghetti instead. Yeah, there you go. And our last segment, shouting into the void. Um, I ha- I gave you. Ah. <laughs> there we go. Send that clip to whoever we're talking to. <laughs> I gave you three options, but I kind of want to hijack it and go straight for the Skippy. We did talk about some peanut butter today. Yeah, let's do Skippy. And we have to. You should ask him. Um, smooth or crunchy? And then follow up rectangles or triangles. Oh, that's good. Also, you have to give them a lot of credit for managing to get the Skippy uh, handle. Maybe they just moved into Twitter on, like, day one. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Heard it was coming. And then... what, was, what was day one of Twitter? What I think was it was, the, like, 2007. Is or that, six. Do we know the specific date? Like, the date that it came online? Like, to the public? I'm gonna do date. a quick Google. When was Twitter born? Um, March 21st, 2006. Oh, so it's... Holy shit, it's, it's like 
a little over 14 years old. It could be on TikTok. <laughs> no, it couldn't. <laughs> it shouldn't be on TikTok. <laughs> nope. <laughs> that is scary. There are definitely some 14-year-old Twitters who are wandering on TikTok right now, and they should not oh, be. Oh, yikes. Um, the app is... Speaking of which, this is kind of derailing our segment, That's but did fine. you guys hear the whole thing about, um, about Zoomers bashing millennials on TikTok at like 3.45 in the morning? Yeah, well, no, Zoomers I mean, can't drink, so what do they have going for them? Well, you know that we're the, technically Zoomers, right? No, we're not. We, we're we like yeah. in between. We're millennials. We're, we're this... You can no. You can claim either one. We're in the weird shoulder period between the two. And I don't like, want we're to not, be a Zoomer. We're on the sliding scale. Dude, if anything, we're the we're like the Iros of Zoomers, like the Uncle Iros. That's fair. Like, we like except they're like we belong. We, James, we may be the Iros, but Zoomers are season one Zukos. Well, yeah, but sure. then they're gonna have an amazing character arc, and they're gonna they fix will, the world. Yeah, they will have an amazing <laughs> character arc. We can only hope. That's the fun thing. But no, I what was what were they doing? Because I love to hear what um, the, like, there were a lot yeah. of shops at like Harry Potter houses. <laughs> no not where they hurt the most oh they never got their letters yeah that was pretty funny well i i usually because i honestly i consider millennials anyone who is probably like early 30s and up like between and up? like 30s yeah between no between sorry, you mean between down 30s, because that would make my parents no, millennials well, there's a there's no a no, no 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 <laughs> there's a no there's a cutoff. Like obviously, I would say boomers are like mid fifties. I think the most accepted range is like seventy five to ninety five for millennials. Holy yeah. shit! Maybe eighty to ninety five. I guess the the millennials I'm thinking of are like the people I think of as stereotypical millennials are usually oh. in their thirties by now. But I guess they're the younger millennials. So yeah, they um, are. Yeah, because I, I guess you're right. Like, 75 would Well, I don't know, because they're supposed to be... It's supposed to be they came of age in the millennium. Yeah. And when do you define coming of age? 18? Or, yeah. Or, like, 25? Ish. Like, eight... That range. Like, I guess... So, I'd so say... Google says it's 81, 1981 to 1996. Google's yeah. wrong. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to disavow them millennial uh section of that but i'm uh, off by literally like a week james is actually in it there's no way (laughs) i count that's why i'm that's why i'm I'm disavowing it um you're shedding the uh millennial mantle james i I got an idea we'll just swapsies we'll swapsies birthdays no (laughs) i like being in 96 i i will still i will hold to it that people from like 95 to 98, 99 are in the odd shoulder slash transition period between millennials and Zoomers. Because you just, like... I think part of the problem is so much of our culture having grown up 96 through 99 was leftovers of the 90s. Well, it was... But it was also... There's something too early 2000s, like early to mid 2000s, like, culture is, is pretty formative at least in the internet and we were like almost the perfect age to receive like we were. think of all the classic like cartoon network shows like great games well i think i think um, part of it is like, internet culture was developing so we went through that but at the same time at least i feel like 
a lot of 90s stuff was still around for the first, like, five years of the thousands. Like, yes. Tailspin oh, yeah. and DuckTales and, uh, like, a bunch of the Disney shows that Cartoon Disney had were those 90s shows. Yeah. Well, and then you had newer shows that are that I'd argue are still pretty great. You had, like, Recess. Oh. You had the Wild Thornberries. You had... Avatar Last Airbender, which I have been rewatching with my sister, and it's fantastic. I forgot how great it was. I think I've seen that show like three or four times, and it surprises me in like every a time. million wonderful ways every time I rewatch it. It's awesome. I think I would every time. It's it's genuinely one of the best pieces of like animation, just in terms of storytelling. Like yeah. I, I don't know. Like I have yet to, I've seen some pretty good, good kids cartoons since I've yet to see a cartoon like that. And I, I don't know if there will be one for quite some time, but well, I think, eh. I think part of it, it, just as a quick note was some, I don't remember where, but somebody pointed, Oh, on the super bracket bros podcast, they, their latest episode mm-hmm. was discussing a one piece character versus cyborg from the teen Titans show. And when mm-hmm. talking about teen Titans, Teen Titans only had Teen Titans had five seasons in a movie, compared to all of the other shows that were being made at that time for Cartoon Network were like three seasons. That they would make a quick, solid three seasons and then just rerun him. Yeah, well, yeah, no. Well, well, because most of the cartoons, like Teen Titans, was kind of like uh, Cartoon Network's Avatar: Last Airbender. It was like a quasi anime series that had like serial story and took its characters relatively seriously as well like explorations but also had like good humor it had like slapstick i i mean i'd say that after i was still better although i love both of them um but i don't know i'm just thinking like i don't genuinely know if there are any shows kind of that are that simple but that good that exist now like i feel like everything with the internet age has exploded in terms of like necessary complexity um and like Everything needs to kind of be meta now. Yeah. Avatar never really was. Like, I'd argue one of the better cartoons now is uh, The Amazing World of Gumball. Like, it's really a great piece of animation. It, yeah, I, I would say so. Like, it's obviously, it's a comedy. Like, it's a straightforward comedy. There's no real, like, character growth. But they tell some, like, sweet stories. And from an animation level and a, kind of a storytelling, like, meta wink-wink level per episode... It can be pretty funny. Um, it's got an incredibly mature sense of humor, like for sure. Oh, see, I, um, I, I haven't seen any of it, so really, I shouldn't be saying anything. Mm-hmm. I always had the impression, though, that it was in that same group of other Cartoon Network shows where all of them have the exact same facial expressions because they have the same art, oh. basic art style on everything. <clears throat> No, no, this one is like, it's literally almost every single character, except for a few select ones, are animated, like, differently, but they all interact in the same environment, so hmm. it'll be, like, like a, one of the settings is, like, a school lunchroom, that's, like, one of the sets that they use in the show, and, like, the main characters are usually 2D animation, but the lunchroom is, like, kind of like a photo, but they're sitting in it, okay. and then there will be, like, CGI characters, like claymation characters, hmm. like every character is kind of like a, a unique, like there's like balloons and robots and like every single one is animated a certain way and 
done. It's just very unique in terms of like how they approach the character designs and the kind of gags that they can get from each one. Um, it's a very like, it's a very fast paced show, but it's very, very unique. And it's like very ambitious. And that's why I applaud it for. Cause I'd agree. There's a lot of kids shows that just like you get in these eras where it's just kind of the same type of animation, like over and over and over again. Like obviously ever since adventure times come out, everyone copies adventure time. Yeah. Like everyone in some way does that art style. Um, but uh, I would I would recommend Amazing World of Gumball, but I recommend After Our Last Terrorbender even more. And I would say uh, we were lucky as kids because I remember, and this is the thing I've been talking about with my sister, I remember like actually having to, and this makes me sound like dumb now, but it's true, like actually having to sit down like week after week after week, like waiting for the next episode to come out. Um, and then like that's the thing that is definitely missed with like this current era where you don't have to do that. Obviously the shows are released in bulk per season, but like I remember when I was a kid and in the first season what in Avatar, when they get to the Northern water tribe, um, it's it, as a kid, it was like a mini movie. It was awesome. Like it was something I've been waiting for for months to see. And when I like saw that episode where they finally got to the Northern water tribe, I was like, this is awesome. Like I drank it all in. I was like, this is great. That's fair. Um, but yeah, but when you watch it like all in one go, it's still impressive, but it loses a little bit of that like luster that was built up just from expectation. And we're the only generation really who had TV that like I'd argue was good enough to merit that kind of dedication um, and have that wait time. I mean, mash season, anime, or mash but, series finale. <clears throat> I should I should specify what other kids cartoon is like that. Like there, ha I I'd argue there is no other kids cartoon that came before it that tried for the levels it tried for and succeeded on essentially every level. I can agree with that. I that's it's like, and that's the thing is like that's a weird thing to think about, and it makes us sound like old grandpas, but it mm. is true. It's like, yeah, our kids. <laughs> It's like we, kids we belong to the last good, generation. Don't know what a real story is. Making money, no, we had to wait to watch the next part. I uh, remember when yeah. we couldn't pause our TV. Do you remember when there were <laughs> commercials? Pepperidge Farm remembers. The last, we're the last generation who, unless there's like a, unless the internet goes down forever. I mean, we're the last generation who'd have to schedule our lives around like TV without the safety net of like, oh, I'll just watch it online later. You know? Like if you didn't see it, you didn't see it. You either have to buy the DVD or you'd have to like try and catch a rerun. But good luck with like mid 2000s era, like reruns. They were on all the time. Trying to find a rerun. Yeah. But like trying to find a rerun of that specific episode, like unless they were doing a marathon, it which they really just only did for back around occasions. eventually. You just had to pay attention. Yeah. But as a kid, you didn't want to wait. Cause like, especially for a show like Avatar, you're like, I want to know what happens. And if you missed it, you're like, I don't know what happens. Like, you wait till the next episode when they recap it. Boom. Mic drop. You just yeah. wait till they play it again at 7 PM that night. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. That's true. They would do that, wouldn't they? They'd play it. They'd play it. <laughs> they once did play it twice a day. Can we have a moment yeah, of silence for Saturday morning cartoons? Are are those not a thing? Oh, those anymore? haven't been a thing since like 2015, maybe. 
You sure? Yeah. Oh, they sure they didn't just move. There are, there are cartoons. There are cartoons that people watch, but the Saturday morning cartoon block is dead. Yeah, I mean, I'd argue that they they've probably been dead since like the late 80s early 90s like no i'm, I'm when literally like i in like 2015 the last block of programming that was specifically saturday morning cartoons was canceled oh oh shit. like the last channel yeah. that still had it i mean i i kind of feel that goes hand in hand with the death of cable as a medium like it's not dead but it's surely on the decline yeah well, it's just it's transitioning. I mean, really, what's happened with these streaming services? They've just, they've been they they're partially their own thing, but they're also partially possessed by the spirit of like old cable. I mean, they they operate very much like television channels. I it's still just... blame Peacock. <laughs> Are they like they're a newcomer? <laughs> yeah, they're a newcomer, but they're well, a symptom of the problem. And they are well, just yeah, the most. So was their fault. Well, they're just the most blatant <laughs> offender. They're not big enough to warrant having their own streaming service. But gosh darn it, we're gonna ruin everybody else's until we tr- realize we made a mistake. Well, I mean, if they, it, the thing is, if it works for them, then we, we as watchers or just as people get new good programming. Hopefully, if it fails, it's like they'll they'll sell their shows off to other people for money. They'll probably work out some kind of licensing agreement. I mean, all those networks are like bastardized, like weird half siblings of each other. Like they were all formed out of essentially the same like four parents groups. Um yeah, but like uh yeah, I I think what the networks need to try and do is like if you're going to make peacock they should have had a show that released with it like an original program that is like this is what you can come to peacock for because remember that's what that's what people are forgetting is that's what got netflix on the map it wasn't just like oh i can buy and you know I well can no that that is exactly what got whatever. netflix on the map was they were selling the well, dvds and then they said hey look what's magical you don't need the DVD anymore. But but that's that. Yeah, that is a big part of it. But the other thing that real people in that really if if it didn't put on, them on the map, it inked the paper was their original programming or just the House of Cards. Like uh, they were the, keeping them relevant. Yeah. I mean, they, sure. they were the first non network organization to do something like that it was like, like holy shit this is technically a web series i mean that's the crazy thing it's like because it's online like house of cards orange is the new black bojack horseman are all technically web series hmm. because they're not on television they're online um which is like obviously i wouldn't call them web series i just call them shows yeah. Uh, because they obviously have production. Like when you think of web series, it's usually more grassroots or kind of like crude stuff. But it's Smosh yeah. TV. <laughs> I miss old Smosh. I really do. I used to watch their videos all the time. All right, let's wrap this up though. We've gone mm-hmm. for a good long time. We wasted enough of our viewers. Yeah, viewers. I mean listeners. Best. Uh, so, gentlemen, thank you for joining us once again, and thank you to the listener for joining us once again. Uh, you can. Find us wherever you find good old-fashioned podcasts. Make sure you 
rate, re- leave review, all those good fun things to show you enjoyed it and show other people it's worth their time. Uh, thank you to the band Problem of Interest for allowing us to use their song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off Yesterday. They are also on various music acquisition programs such as Spotify and iTunes. Quite enjoyable. Go show them some love. If you want to get in contact with us, we got our Facebook, Better Buddies Podcast. We have our Twitter handle, at Better Budcast. Use the hashtag Better Buddies when you tweet about the show. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll thank you on the show if you tweet about us. Uh, we also have our email account if you want to send us hate mail, uh, love letters. If you need advice on something, that's BetterBuddiesCast at gmail.com. Please send us your opinions on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I will personally read all of them. Yes, please do. And if you have any other good, like, peanut butter sandwich recommendations, uh, we'll take those as well. Oh, you know what? Maybe I've been meaning to, like, try and think of some sort of, like, little contest. Like, if we get to this many iTunes reviews, we'll, we'll do this. We'll do something. Maybe we do a sandwich review episode. You really think people want that? No, but I don't think anybody wants anything from us yet. You never know. Face reveal when? (laughs) RJ, when's the voice reveal? Uh, It's actually right now. Uh, It turns out I've been a professional paid voice actor this whole time. Oh, we were paid actors the whole time. Blow my mind. Uh, So last but not least, be a better buddy. Hello. Can you hear birds? No. Okay, so they're not chirping right now. Anyway. Well, then I wouldn't hear them. Are they in your house or outside your window? They're under his bed. They're in my soul. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Are you Harvey Birdman? (laughs) Oh. Oh. Attorney of Law. Are you the Birdman? He's the Birdman. Like.